excited to be at church today? Come on, come on. Man, a place where we come to gather, to just be inspired, to keep moving towards God. Because when we move towards Him, He's faithful to move towards us. And uh, we're in this series going through the book of John together as a church. We're going through the book of John. And um, we're, uh, we're talking about perspective. And, uh, you know, maybe right now some of you guys are like, you have a perspective of what's going on right now from what you hear. Like maybe you're like, oh, that's cute. Or maybe others of you are like, when are they going to take the baby out into the lobby right now, okay, you know? Don't worry, it was just a phone. It was just a phone. We're not that mean to people with a crying baby, okay? It's okay. But we all have a different perspective sometimes of when it comes to different things. Like, like, like specifically when you see this, you might be like, oh, that's so beautiful and cute. Others of you are like, clean that baby up, man, you know? Uh, maybe you've had, you know, like a, it was like your birthing experience was like very like beautiful and serenity and just was like this out of a Hallmark movie. Or for others of you, you know, it was a little more dramatic. Or when I see this, I, I literally am like trying not to pass out right now. I can't believe I didn't pass out for all four of our, uh, of our kids. So actually, why don't we go ahead and take this off because I could pass out. Um, for some of you, when you think about babies, you just, you love the baby stage if you had them. And you just like, just love that feeling. You're in it right now. Others of you were maybe a little more like me, couldn't wait till they grew up a little bit so I could throw them all over the couch and wrestle with them. Um, we all have a different perspective of when it comes to the birthing process or being born. And you might be wondering, why the heck am I talking about that uh, to start things off? Because today, as we get into chapter 3, we're going to be seeing some, we're going to see this question of being born and what that means. There's a guy named Nicodemus who has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus talks to him about being born not once, but twice. And it created a lot of confusion and a lot of wrestling and trying to figure out what in the world that Jesus was saying. But this question about whether you need to be born once or born twice is so important. And it's a question that all of us in this room need to wrestle with and make sure we have a good understanding of what it truly means to be born again. So before we do that, I just want to pray, as always, before we dive into the text. And so, Father, man, thank you so much for who you are. You're so great. You're so powerful. You're so personal. You are our father, as we already talked about today. Thank you that we can be called your children. Thank you for your word that is a treasure. It's so precious. The fact that we have direct access to talk to you um, and you engage with us through your word is just incredible. And so we're just, I'm just overwhelmed by that. And so God, help us to see what you need us to see, to hear what we need to hear today as we sung about opening the eyes of our of our hearts, God, speak to us wherever we're at on our faith journey. Get me out of the way. I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. And we all said, amen. All right, so hey, as always, I just want to encourage you to grab a copy of the scriptures, whether it's a real copy or whether it's on your phone. Uh, we're going through the book of John, and we're, we're only in chapter 3, right? And so we still have some back at our, at our um, store there uh, are, are these John journals, which are just really, really cool. It's just the Bible, and then there's some space for you to write on. And, you know, we're only in chapter 3. We're going all the way through, baby. So you still got time to get your journal and mark it up. And, and here's the reason. Because when you mark it up, I'm telling you, it helps mark up your life e even more. It can be so easy for us to just go in and ear, one out the other. And so it's always good to reflect and go back and remember the things that God taught you. Uh, this book was written by one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, it was a family member. 
and he was called the beloved disciple, John. And uh, at this time when he's writing this uh, account of Jesus, he's the last living disciple on the planet at this time. All the other disciples had passed away. He was the last living disciple. And he didn't just write anything, okay? He wrote down what he literally saw with his own eyes, and he wrote down what he heard out of his ears. This isn't just some made-up stuff. This is the inspired word of God that we're hearing, and now we get the privilege to get to engage with, okay? So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. You guys ready? Let's do it. Here we go. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named, say this with me, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, just to remind you, maybe you hear, you hear the word Pharisee, and you're like, what is that? Just the 30,000 foot. Pharisees often were people that loved the law more than they loved God. Or they loved the law a little more than they loved people, okay? And so he was a Pharisee, ruler of the Jews. And then it says that Nicodemus, he came to Jesus by night. Now, why did he come to Jesus by night? We're not quite sure exactly why he came by night. Maybe because he felt a little awkward, maybe uh, because he was timid, maybe because he was afraid, uh, maybe he didn't want people to know, or maybe he just wanted direct access because Jesus' popularity was buzzing at the time, and he wanted to really talk to him, and he wanted his full attention. We're not sure, but he really wanted to be with Jesus. He had to get to Jesus. And then it says this, he came to him by night, and he, and he said to him, Rabbi, which was showing honor to him, which means teacher, we know that you're a teacher that's come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's basically saying, listen, he's honoring him. He says, almost in, in a way, he said, I teach about miracles, but you're actually doing the miracles, okay? So... I, I don't know where this is coming from. You didn't go to seminary, but, but man, I, I'm so curious. So what we see here is the curiosity of Nicodemus is intense that it's messing with him. He just had to know more about Jesus. And it got me thinking this week, man, may we all in this room be like Nicodemus in that way specifically, that our curiosity is so much that it messes with us about Jesus that we just got to know more. For those of you that are Jesus followers in the room already, is your curiosity still there? Or are you content with what you know about Jesus? May we never be content with what we know about Jesus. There is so much depth. There is such a well that will never run dry of the depths of understanding who he is. There's so much, it's never ending. And so may we not be content and may we still be people that are curious. And for those of you that aren't Jesus followers, seriously, we are so glad you're here today. We're so glad that you're searching. And I hope that you will continually have a strategy to get your questions answered about who Jesus really is. And I'm telling you, he's faithful when you move towards him. He's faithful to move right back towards you. So then it continues. So Jesus answers him and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, say this with me, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus is literally scratching his head. He's saying, okay, wait a second. Unless one is born again, then you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven. So he's scratching his head and then he responds to Jesus and he's like, well, how can a man be born when he's old? I mean, can he enter a second time into his mama's womb and be born? Come on. This is a fair question by Nicodemus, right? If you heard this for the first time. Uh, all the ladies in the room were probably like, I hope that's not what Jesus was saying. I mean, it'd be like me calling my mom. Okay, hey, mom, first time didn't work out so well. We're going to have to do this again. 
okay? You thought an eight-pound baby was difficult? Try a 200-pound baby, mama. I mean, like, what is going on? This is a, a very strange, you know, thought, and, and we're going to need some clarity. And so luckily, Jesus gives him clarity. What does it mean to be born again? And so he gives us the, the clarity right here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this simple answer that Jesus gave, that was just supposed to be a simple answer in the context in which he was writing it, and in the conversation that he had with Nicodemus, has been blown up into some major, I mean, this verse has blown up into some major, major theological different belief systems out there. Uh, There's been so much ink that has been put out on this verse uh, and different belief systems of what this is saying. And so... There's a lot here. I can't dive into all of it because we'd be here for a week. But I want to just give you a 30,000 flyover of some of the different views that this brings up when it comes to getting into heaven. Okay? Now, some of you um, have a view that our church doesn't have in its like belief system and what I personally believe. But it's okay. We can be friends still. We major on the majors and minor on the minors. Okay? Uh, you can still be a Jesus follower and have some of these views. Um, and still be a part of our church family, okay? Uh, What some have taken this to believe is they were saying that they believe that when he was saying this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, then they can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Some are interpreting this as that you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. That you have to have a baptism in your life take place for you to get into heaven. This over here, others believe that this is another baptism of the Holy Spirit. That after you put your faith in Jesus, there's another thing that happens later in your life where there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. And that that has to take place in addition to your public uh, display of faith in addition. Now, like I said, here, uh, we don't believe that. And I want to tell you why and Uh, I'm going to just give you a verse for each of them as to why, okay? Uh, There's many other in the context of the full scriptures of why we believe this, but let me just give you one. When it comes to the idea of being born of baptism to have salvation, uh, we believe uh, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 as one example, one of many. For by grace you have been saved. Say this out loud with me. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Listen, God is the one, he's the producer, he's the inventor of the seed, he's the one uh, that chases us and is by grace you have been saved, not by anything that you can do, but through faith, okay? Now, however, and I have a lot of friends in ministry that believe that baptism, you have to be baptized to get saved and we have this conversation and it's a great conversation. The thing that is, is so shocking to me is that people that believe the way that I do, that you don't have to be baptized to be saved and get into the kingdom of heaven, is then they deny baptism. And that just makes no sense. Jesus said, repent and then be baptized. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you've put your faith in him, for you to deny water baptism, a symbol of your faith, is just being disobedient to your king. And the one that's died for you and rose again for you, why would you deny baptism? And so maybe I'm pushing on a little you know, button here right now for, uh, for some of you. Maybe this is the reason why you came to, to church today is that 
enough's enough. It's time for you to get baptized like Renee did and share your story to let the world know of what he's done in your life. I don't know what's keeping you from getting baptized. Maybe it's because of you feel embarrassed or you don't want to get in front of people or whatever it might be. Or maybe you're just ashamed of letting the world know. Or maybe it's because of tradition. You know, some of you maybe were baptized as children. I just want to, you know, again, don't bank on a baptism to save you. Bank on your faith to save you. Um, you, you know, that was that baptism as a baby was more for your parents than for you. You don't know anything about that, right? You don't remember that. Jesus says, "Repent and then be baptized, not be baptized and then repent." Okay, and so I just want to encourage you: if 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 you've never been baptized after you believed for yourself, your King's telling you to do it. So it's important to, to be obedient and do what he says, okay? Then Ephesians uh, 1.13, when it talks about this idea of us having to have a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit after we put our faith in Jesus, we, we, we don't believe that because of this. One of many different verses that explains this. And when you believed in Christ Jesus, he identified you as his own. And when he did that, by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago, The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you are given the gift and the treasure of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It is such a gift. It is such a treasure. It is so unbelievable that he gives us that gift. And so I just wanted to, that's, I hope I didn't lose y'all. But what he was simply saying is that in, in, in the context of the conversation, Nicodemus is thinking about birth. And so Jesus is responding to him about birth, that To get into the kingdom of God, to get into heaven, you have to be, one, alive. You need to be born of water. And so we believe that that's referring to as a child is in the womb, the child is in water, right? And then before the mom gives birth, what happens? Water breaks. That's referring to our natural birth. And then born of the spirit is referring to our spiritual birth. And so to get into the kingdom of God, you can't just be born physically. You've all been born, you're all physically here. But now to get into the kingdom of God, we all have to have a spiritual birth. And that's the idea of what being born again is, okay? Let's keep going. So then it says this, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And then he says this, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. I imagine that night it was pretty windy. You know, I don't know. We don't know for sure. But I just imagine the wind's blowing and he's using that as, as an example. But isn't it so true? You can't figure out where the wind comes from. It comes from every different angle. Sometimes it comes in a mighty gust. Sometimes it comes in a, in a small, gentle breeze. And and this is talking about a couple things. One, that God is the producer. He's the inventor of the seed. And he is going to move in your life however he wants to, whenever he wants to. But the other thing, it reminds us of the importance of, yes, he comes like a mighty rushing wind, but also like a gentle breeze. I don't know if there's any sailors in the room uh, today. Um, as a kid growing up with uh, my dad, we'd go sailing all the time. And then I remember Jen and I, we... Uh, I think we were in like Mexico or something. I'm like, hey, let's try it on the ocean. A little bit different than Kensington Lake over there in Milford, okay? 
So we get out there on the ocean, and the wind's coming from this way, from this way. It was, cha- it was changing a lot, okay? I could not figure this thing out. So one of the tourists from the, from the dock zooms in, gets a picture. So there, there I am. And what you don't see is my poor wife just like, I'm holding on to her with all I can as she's like being drugged into the ocean. Jaws is, I think, right there about to bite her legs off. I mean, it was just a tragic just kidding. I just found that on the internet. But, um, I mean, you wouldn't know, right? Okay. All right. Just got to tell the truth. So, um, <laughs> what happens when you're born again? We already talked about this, right? We, we get the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And what happens when we're born again, sometimes, it's unbelievable, the power of his spirit will move like a rushing gust. And, and we, can't, we can't miss it. You can't dismiss it, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced that. But more often, if you're like me, it, it, he comes in a gentle breeze. And what's crazy and what I don't like about my life is that sometimes I can miss it. I don't know about you. But sometimes because my life can be too busy or too loud or too chaotic, I can miss the whispers of the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention. What about you? How did you do this week? Did you hear from God? Did you hear that small, gentle whisper, him kind of guiding you, pushing you as you were engaging with him in his word and talking to him? What was that like for you this week? Or was it a little noisy? It was a little too loud? I was, uh, this week, I was down in Richmond, and I, I, I got these stats that I, I just wanted to, to, to share with you. This was done a couple years ago by Lifeway Publishing. They uh, did a survey of 40,000 different Jesus followers and every different age level. And they were talking about the importance of having our daily encounter, you know, reading his word and talking to him. And they talked about people that would have a daily encounter one to two times a week. And then they would relate that to people that didn't know Jesus. And those that just had a one to two times a week daily encounter with God, there wasn't that much difference from those that didn't have Jesus in their life. But then as they did the survey and they looked at people that had the discipline to have a daily encounter four plus times a week or more, four times or more, check out these stats. This was astounding to me. This, is what, this was like an adrenaline boost for my own soul for my daily encounter. If you have a daily encounter at least four times a week or more, the feelings of loneliness drops by 30%. Anger issues drop by 32%. We talked about anger a few weeks ago. Uh, Bitterness in relationships drop by 40%. Alcoholism, 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops by 68%. Uh, Feeling spiritually stagnant drops by 60%. Viewing pornography drops by 61%. So not only when we spend our daily encounter does it help us as we hear the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, but then check this out. It also helps others in a dramatic way. Check this out. Sharing your faith jumps by 200%. Ready in season and out of season. And then discipling others jumps by 230%. I don't know about you, but that was like, that, that kind of, that gave me a little motivation to make sure my strategy for spending time with Jesus daily is in sync. What does that look like for you? What is your strategy? Are you hearing or is your 
life a little too busy, a little too loud. Don't miss it. Don't miss the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to speak to you, okay? So, so important. All right, then he continues. It says that Nicodemus said to him, well, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? So Nicodemus, uh, most likely he had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized because of what he did. He had like the Torah, that's what they would call the first five books memorized. What does this remind us? That you can know the Bible and not know Jesus. Ouch. It's way more than just intellect. Then it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If you have told your earthly things and do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. That's a title that Jesus loved to have. Uh, we, we hear that title 70 different times in the, New, in the New Testament. And then check this out. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is big stuff, okay? This is the first time that Jesus is saying, you want to get into heaven? Here's how. You got to be born again. And how do you be born again? It's not by your works, but it's by your belief. How do you, how to be born again is simply through belief. And then he's so kind to Nicodemus and he uses something that he would know very, very, very well. And he uses that example of Moses. And I don't have time to go into that whole story, but if you're taking notes, I want you to write down Numbers chapter 24 or 21. Numbers chapter 21. I'll kind of paraphrase this for us, but I'll just read verses 8 and 9, and then I'll tell you what was going on. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So during this time, the people were just disobedient and disobedient and disobedient. And God gave warning after warning after warning after warning. Listen, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And so finally, he had to discipline. And so he sent these snakes out throughout the people. And the snakes literally would bite the people and the venom would go into them and they would die. But then because of his grace and his love, he sent a remedy for those to break out of their disobedience. And so he had Moses literally make this bronze snake and anyone that was snake bitten would literally look up and in belief, when they would look up that, at that bronze serpent, that rod that he lifted up, they would be instantly healed, instantly cured. In the very same way, Jesus is bringing up this analogy because soon he would be the one that would be lifted up on a cross for the world to be the sacrifice. If you didn't know this, every single one of us in this room have been snake bitten. You're like, I've never been bitten by a snake. Maybe not a physical snake, but we've all been bitten by a spiritual snake. The great serpent, the enemy, Satan. He's literally put his fangs into all of us and then his fangs have put a poison in all of us called sin that literally has separated us from God. It's condemned us. It's awful. But God gave a remedy. His one and only son, Jesus, put up on a cross and all of us that get to the point to look up in belief 
on the Lord Jesus Christ, instantly will be saved. Instantly will be healed of that venom that has been taken up in all of us. Nicodemus finally got to that point at the end of the letter where he looked up and believed upon Jesus. And he was instantly saved and he was instantly healed. And in the same way that Nicodemus was instantly saved and healed, God wants to do the same thing in you and in your life. Don't believe me? Don't take it from me. Let's go ahead and read the most famous, most quoted probably verse ever in the history of all literature. Okay? Actually, y'all probably know it. A lot of you know it. So just read part of this with me. All right, ready? You guys read it. He loved the world. He loved the world. That means all nations, all tribes, all tongues. His love is global. His compassion is global. His love wasn't just words. His love was actions. His love was set in motion. And then it continues. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Keep going. That. This was a pretty direct statement. He basically is saying that those who believe in me will not perish and have eternal life. So that also means that those who do not believe will not have eternal life, will not go to heaven, and will perish. That will literally be in the line of the wrath of God and will have an eternal sentencing. That's a pretty bold statement. I'm just a messenger. It's pretty direct. Then it continues and it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God doesn't want this to happen to anyone. That's why Jesus is the one who talks most about hell than anyone. That's why he talks about the gnashing of teeth. That's why he talks about the lake of fire, because he doesn't want anyone to go there. Because he loves you so much. But he's also a God of love. But he's also just. That's why this is so important that all of us need to contemplate this question of if we are truly born again and what that means for our own lives. This is serious. Then he says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It's kind of a weird question. Have you ever seen a newborn baby get arrested? Like imagine a newborn baby or I hear that little baby back there. Imagine like a policeman coming in and handcuffing that child and putting that child in prison. Seems pretty ridiculous. Go with me. In the same way, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are spiritually born again. And so all of your past, all of your sin, all of your shame is gone. The enemy can't arrest you. Jesus took care of it. 
all of your past, all of your present, all of your future sin was literally nailed to a cross with Jesus in that moment. And because of his resurrection, you are now a new creation. Listen, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. It is no longer Travis who lives. It is no longer Mateo who lives. It is no longer Jaja who lives. It is no longer Joe who lives, but Christ who lives in me, in you. It's a game changer. And now like, we have this war that wages with our old flesh and our old Adam and our old selves all the time. And it's annoying and it's frustrating. But every morning we got to wake up and remind ourselves who we are. That's not you anymore. You got to wake up every morning and say, I'm a new creation. Repeat after me. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. You got to embrace it. We got to own it. Because that is who you are. So, last question. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you had your spiritual birth? What are you waiting for? If you want to be restored to your father who loves you so much, You have to get to the point to humble yourself and surrender and believe that he's the one that can save you, that he's the one that can heal you. And when you call out to him, he will receive your call and you will be born again. And so if you've never been born again, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. So I'm just gonna ask us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes. My friend, have you been freed from your past sin and shame? Or are you still carrying it? Have you received yet the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit when you believe in him? Have you guaranteed a spot in the kingdom of heaven for yourself? Or are you hanging your eternity in the balance based on what you can do? Has your curiosity of Jesus potentially led you here today to finally humble yourself and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Let it go. Humble yourself and look up upon Jesus and he will be faithful to save you. So if that's you, I'm gonna lead you right now into a real conversation between you and him, I'm just gonna be a guide. You take my words and you make them your own. Just say, Father, I wanna be born again. Just say that to him. Father, I wanna be born again. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. I need you to save me. I believe that you, Jesus, are God. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me. Tell him that. I don't understand at all, but today I believe. And so right now, 
humble myself and I receive you, Jesus, to be my king, to be my savior. As we keep praying, for some of you, that was the first time you really meant that. You made that your own. I wanna encourage you to embrace this truth. You're born again. You're born again. You are a new creation. You can finally own that and say that and believe that. You will no longer perish. There is no condemnation for those who are now in Christ Jesus. Your life starts now and it lasts forever. Father, thank you so much for the gift of making a way to get right back with you. Thank you for making us new. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us purpose. It's unbelievable. We're so grateful. We love you. We pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Can we give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus today for the first time? Come on. It's a big deal. Best decision of your life. Write it down. You got a new birthday. You've got your natural birthday. Now you got your spiritual birthday. What's the date? September 10th. Write it down. Don't forget it. You're a new creation. Celebrate that. Embrace that. If you made that decision today, we don't want you to walk alone. We want to encourage you to do one more thing. Tell someone. You can tell them by texting the screen or just grab one of us out at the connect table. I'll be down front here. We'd love to hear because we just want to celebrate with you what God has now done in your life. And it's incredible.